right. Hey, if you're brand new, I want to give you a little bit of a, a review and a ramp up so you're not looking at me like a deer in headlights this morning. We are in the middle, actually not middle, we're coming to the end of a great series called Gifted, where we've been focusing on spiritual gifts. You know, the Apostle Paul said concerning spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. How many of you know we're trying to combat ignorance today? That's our cause. We don't want any ignorant people in this place. Are you all in agreement with me on that? All right. Twilight, you're, you're with me on that. We're combating ignorance, all right? Our goal is that you would know who you are, that you're a masterpiece created by God, that he created you on purpose, that he's given you a unique gift set that's unlike anyone else, uh, and that he's given you that for a distinct purpose, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to shift into the Ephesians 4 passage, which is where we're going to be for the next few weeks. Hey, didn't Ryan Johnson do a great job last Sunday talking about your lane and finding your lane? And... Let me just say this to, to all you guys. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is to s- sit in a church and feel like either you don't know who you are, you don't know where you fit, you don't know where your gifts are best used. Um, please communicate, okay? Um, that, that would be a tragedy. We believe God wants us not only to be followers of him, that's why we did that discipleship series, right? Drop the nets. We're all in. Let's follow Jesus. Let's, let's pursue Jesus with our lives. You guys with me on that? And then we said, let's understand who we are and how God's created us so that we can uniquely express his purposes over our life. But guess what's coming on the heels of this when we get into August? We're going to be talking about mobilization because uh, it's no good to know who we are and what what we've uh, been called to do and not be mobilized to do it. So our goal is that this church, all of y'all, would be active, okay? Everybody, hands on deck. Everybody expressing the uniqueness and the beauty of what God has deposited in you. So turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be our our text for the next uh, about four or five weeks, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 and then jump down to verses 11 through 13. It says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift, there it is again, through the generosity of Jesus. That's why the scriptures say when he, Jesus, ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Now these gifts are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. There are apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, and there's teachers. Why did Jesus give these gifts to the church? Their responsibility, here we go, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Before I get into this, let me say hi to all of our folks. You know, in the summer, we got a lot of people traveling. Thank God for our live stream. A lot of you are watching right now. We say hello to you guys. We also have a lot of our friends in the nations of the world that regularly tune in, so we welcome all of our friends across the globe. Uh, We're glad you guys could be with us. Let me highlight, by way of introduction, this is going to be overview today. I'm going to lay some tracks today. I'm going to try to tap into a teaching anointing today um, and lay some ground, ground rules and ground tracks here for us to run on. Um, but I want to give you a few important highlights regarding this passage I just read. First point is this. We need to understand that the giver of these gifts is none other than Jesus Christ himself. How many of you remember in Romans chapter 12, we call them motivational gifts. The Bible specifically says God gave these gifts. When we go to 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Bible, of course, says that those are gifts from the Holy Spirit. How many of you know Jesus Christ doesn't want to be left out of the gift giving, which means the entire 
Godhead is generous and giving gifts. Isn't this good news? I told you this separates us from every other religion because every other religion, the God is a taker and wants to take from us. But in Christianity, our God is a giver and he wants to give to us. That's an amazing difference, I think, that we need to highlight this morning. Notice the recipients are God's people. The Bible says God gave gifts to his people. And I want you to notice the occasion, point number three. The occasion of these gifts is Christ's ascension. Now, we just celebrated communion, which is a reminder of the humiliation of Jesus Christ. How many of you know he went low for us? He took my sin and your sin upon himself. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He had his beard ripped out. Uh, He had every kind of, of disgusting, shameful thing done to him so that we could be free from all those things that should have been done to us. Are you with me? It was the great exchange. That was the humiliation of Christ. But how many of you know Jesus Christ didn't stay in the tomb? Three days later, he resurrected. 40 days later, he ascended. And what I want you to see is the occasion of these gifts. They were given on a momentous occasion of Jesus Christ declaring his absolute victory over sin and Satan and death and everything from hell. This, that was the occasion of the release of these gifts. How many of you know this is like a big deal? Like a really big deal. Because in the Bible, do you all remember that story when David and his men came back home? They were living in Ziklag, and when they came to Ziklag, they noticed the whole town was burned to the ground, and all of their loved ones, the men, women, children, uh, wives, were, were taken by the enemy, and no one was left. You remember what David did? The men were so distraught they were going to kill him, uh, stone him, and David went and sought the Lord. And the Bible says this about David. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and he sought the Lord about what to do. And this is the word of the Lord that God said to him. I want you to go, and I want you to uh, overtake them, and you're going to recover everything. This is a powerful word. What I want you to see is that the promise to David was not only you're going to get back what's yours, But David also took plunder in that activity. In other words, when he defeated his enemies, he took all their stuff. David is an Old Testament picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know when Jesus Christ ascended to the Father's right hand, he not only wiped away our sin and took us back and restored to us life, but he plundered hell. He plundered everything that Satan had stole from God's people. And this is beautiful because in the passage in the Old Testament with David, the Bible says David stole all the Amalekites' stuff, all right? He not only took back what's his, he took back what, they, uh, what was their plunder. It became his plunder. And this was the interesting thing about that passage. The Bible says David went to the elders of Israel and he gave them gifts. How many of you know when you are the recipient of great blessing, it is the heart of a godly person to want to give some of that blessing away to other people. In fact, the Bible says, freely you've received, freely give. So it's the heart of a person. Once we've been blessed, we want to give it away. So check this out. Jesus is there at the Father's right hand, now in raised in glory, King of kings, Lord of lords, victorious, no longer humiliated, victorious. And the first thing he does is he starts releasing gifts. Isn't it interesting? The first, the first gift that's released is the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit himself goes and gives gifts. But Jesus gives these five gifts. And we're not going to talk today about the office. Sometimes people think this passage refers only to the office. Like, well, pastor's a pastor, but I'm not a pastor. Some people are, are prophetic or whatever. You know, you have, some people have the office of teaching, whatever. That's not where I'm going today. Here's what I want you to see. Every single one of us is meant to function, not in the title or office, but function in the anointing of one of these five gifts. Some of you might not have ever heard this before, might not have recognized this before, but I'm telling you, what I want you to see over the next few weeks is that you will identify with one or more of these five gifts, apostolic, prophetic, teacher, shepherd or pastor, and evangelist. One of those gifts, if not more, are part of how you were wired, how you were oriented. So don't, don't check out on me like, well, this, this message isn't for me. No, this message is for you because Christ gave gifts to his people out of the overflow of his plunder. So over the next few weeks, you're going to discover the riches of the generosity of Jesus in you because every one of us receive this. And I want you to see something here. How many of these gifts does he give? I'm helping you out. Five. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. Everything we receive, everything we receive in the kingdom comes by grace. Debbie did such a great job, didn't she? We don't earn any of our standing with God. Every single thing we get, we get by grace, including the gifts, so we can't boast in them. It's a gift. Everything. And I want you to see this. How does God release his grace to the church? He does it through his gifts. The gifts become channels of his grace. Does this make sense? Which means, just giving a little picture here, why do we do all this membership stuff? Let me tell you why you're absolutely incomplete apart from the people sitting around you. You're not meant to be a lone ranger. And Jesus Christ gives gifts to people because guess how you receive the grace of God? Through the person next to you. They don't come directly from God's hand. They're mediated, which means they come through people. So if you're going, man, I just need help, man, I need, I need encouragement. No, what you need is grace. You need to be around godly people who are releasing the gifting in them to bless you. Because these are, these are channels of the goodness of God. We sang about the goodness of God today. You need the body of Christ more than you think. I need the body of Christ more than I think. So these, this is how God releases. Look at, look at John 1.16. I love this verse. Look with me on the screen. From his, Jesus' abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Isn't this amazing? Now, I want you to see this. When I, when I used to teach uh, young people, I would ask them this question. How come God created I- anything? I mean, why did God create? Why are we here? Why did God make us? And the, the most favorite answer I got, most popular answer was this, because God was lonely. How many of you know loneliness suggests that you're lacking something, namely like relationships or friends? How many of you know God doesn't lack anything? So when God creates, it's not because he's trying to create us because he's lonely and he needs some partners and some friends. God does everything out of the super abundance of his infinite everything. 
And Jesus gives gifts out of the superabundance of his greatness. And when he gives you something, he does not have less. Like if I have 100 bucks and I give Amra 10 bucks, I'm 10 bucks shy of what I started with. When Jesus gives gifts to his people, he still doesn't lack anything. He, has, he, he gives us from his abundance, super abundance, gracious blessing after gracious blessing. I mean, you know, that's the nature of Jesus. Now, here's the problem. When he distributes those gifts, it's not a problem. It's, it just shows what, we're not Jesus. We get those gifts in measure. Jesus has the gifts in fullness. Let me show you how this works. Take a look at me. I'm going to go through this quickly. So if you got your phone out, take pictures if you want to capture something on a, on a PowerPoint slide, all right? Because I'm, I'm just giving you a quick overview here. How many of you know Jesus is called the apostle and high priest of our confession? Look at Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle. That's talking about Jesus, the apostle. How many of you know Jesus is the builder of the church? He's the master architect of the church. He's the visionary leader of his church. Um, That's his nature. He is the apostle with a capital A, all right? Nobody has that kind of apostolic anointing. He's also the ultimate prophet as the incarnate word. Look at John 1.14. The word became flesh. The word with a capital W. What do prophetic people do? How are they wired? They're wired to discern the mind and the heart and the will of God. How many of you know, if you want to know the mind and heart and the will of God, look at Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus said, when you look into my face, you see the glory of God. You see the Father. So if we want to know what Christ is or what the Father's like, we look to Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He declares the word of the Lord. In fact, he is the incarnate word of God. Does that make sense? He's on a level that nobody else can ever hope to touch or attain. He's unique in his role as the ultimate prophet. He's also the ultimate evangelist. How do you know Jesus just doesn't preach the good news? He is the good news. He's the embodiment of the good news. Jesus is like, if you want to know salvation, you have to know me. If you want to know uh, the heart of God, you need to know me. In fact, heaven would not be heaven if, without Jesus Christ himself being there because he is the good news of the gospel. Look at number four. He's the great shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I mean, you know, Jesus loves his church like a shepherd should, like a pastor should. Jesus is the shepherd or pastor with a capital P because he said, you know, there's lots of hirelings in the world, but I lay down my life for the sheep. If you want want to be pastor, to make sure you have a relationship with Christ because there's no pastor like Jesus. He is the pastor with a capital P. And how about the last one? Let's talk about Jesus being the ultimate teacher, master teacher. The Bible says when Nicodemus came to him in John chapter 3, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, how many of you know that phrase, come from God, puts Jesus in a whole other level? Uh, you'll never be able to say to an earthly teacher, whoever your favorite Bible teacher is, that is a teacher come from God. No, 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 no. Not like Jesus, the teacher come from God. Because you remember when Jesus would teach in the synagogues, people were blown away and they said this about him. Uh, he doesn't teach like the Pharisees. Jesus teaches as one with authority. Now check this out. 
the best teachers are the best teachers because they're experts at what they're talking about. Listen to me. Jesus is the expert about everything. If I asked you who is the smartest human being who ever lived, some people say, Albert Einstein. No. Jesus. Who had the highest IQ of any human who ever lived? Jesus. Who had the biggest heart of any human who ever lived? Uh, Jesus, too. But let me just tell you this. Jesus is the master teacher because he speaks with absolute authority because he knows everything. And that's why he speaks with absolute authority. Now, check this out. What Jesus does is he takes of his fullness and he starts distributing gifts. Now, here's what I want you to see. Every one of you has one of these gifts, probably multiple gifts, and let me just put it in context here. How many of you think that the more like Jesus we become, the more well-rounded we should become? Which means we shouldn't be riding on one horse. We should never have everybody saying, well, I have the gift of hospitality, so don't ask me to do anything else. No. It means that the more like Jesus we become, the more we start growing in our Christ-like expression. Let me ask you in the New Testament, next to Jesus, who is a pretty godly person? Who gave us like two-thirds of the New Testament? Okay, if you, if you look at Paul, you can find Paul demonstrated all five of, the, the, of those gifts. Not in their fullness like Jesus, but you see, Paul was very pastoral. Paul was prophetic. Paul was, of course, apostolic. We call him the Apostle Paul for a reason, right? Uh, Paul was an evangelist. Uh, Paul was a teacher. Paul moved in all those. Let me share with you. The good news is, as we keep moving in this journey of pursuing the Lord, guess what? We keep getting gooder and gooder. We keep growing. We keep expressing ourselves in ways where you, you might say, well, I'm just not a good teacher. Yet. Yet. Just keep being like Jesus. He's the master teacher. Guess what will happen in you? You'll grow. I don't feel like I'm very prophetic. Oh, let Jesus keep expanding your heart and filling you with the Holy Ghost. You'll have an incredible sense of what God's doing and what God's heart is. See, the cool thing is you should never grow stagnant in the church. Because we, we are pursuing the infinite one who is generous, which means there's always more of him to receive. And he's always so excited to give it away because he's generous. Isn't this good news? I'm having fun this morning. I'm enjoying myself. Why are these gifts given? Well, the Bible tells us. Look with me in Ephesians 4.12. Two primary reasons why God gives these gifts to us through Christ to the church. Two primary reasons. Number one is summarized in the word equip. To equip God's people to do his work. Notice to equip people. That, that word means completely furnish, thoroughly equip. It means complete, restore, prepare. And this is a military word. I want to remind you. Why do we need gifts? Because we're not in heaven yet. We're on planet Earth. And how many of you know this is contested territory? We're in a civil war right now. Now, I get it. We're Americans. We're blessed. We have exposable income. We go on vacations. We, we go out to eat after church. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things. But can I remind you that in the, spite of all that, do you know that, that we're broken people? We're hurting people. We're addicted people. We're lost people. And the world is full of people just like that. So why in the world does Christ give these five gifts to the church? I'll tell you why. So we're armed and dangerous. So that we have something to release 
to bless, to heal, to restore, and it requires all of us working together because none of us have the full measure. So we're here to equip, be equipped. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Just tell him that right now, right? I think he's talking to you. Um, How many of you know no one's exempt? If you're hearing me this morning, no one's exempt because these gifts were given to equip all y'all to do the stuff. This is good news, by the way. This is when your life starts getting fun, when you start doing the stuff. All right, why else? Here's the second reason. To build up the church, the body of Christ. This word here in the Greek, oikodome, literally means to build a house. It's like a construction term. So, and I want to say this. Why do you have any gift from God? It is to build up. Some people say, well, you know, I'm prophetic, and I have the ability to discern, and, and uh, so I just go around telling everybody how they're wrong, and, uh, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. No. If what you do does not build up, if what you do tears down, it's not the Holy Spirit. This isn't rocket science, folks. If your activity and your giftedness, well, you know, I just have the ability to discern problems. That's why I can point out the sins of everybody, and I can judge everybody. No, you don't have that gift. That is devilish. That is wicked. When people come, let me ask this question. If you're part of a church and you're separating people instead of adding people, is that a gift from Jesus? No, let me tell you. That little woman over there that I've been married to now for 35 years, if you want to get on my bad side, just mess with my woman. I mean, just mess with my woman. Talk about her. Oh, try to harm her. I will try to hurt you. And I will repent later. Right, I'm just telling you. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that sanctified yet. My, my unregenerate parts of me will manifest. Because this is my covenant bride. Are you kidding me? She's the apple of my eye. Listen to me. You want to get on Jesus' bad side? Mess with his woman. You know, I'm telling you, some people are clueless. They have absolutely no fear of God as it relates to the bride. Jesus shed his blood to purchase. There's no greater passion in his heart than the people collectively gathered in this room. There's no greater passion in the heart of God than his gal. And you want to you get on his bad side? Come in here. Some people have the gift of evangelism. I've seen it operate. They take on an offense, they get resentment in their heart, they get on the phone, and they start evangelizing people to leave the church. If you're not building up the church, adding to the church, strengthening people, growing people, loving people, I don't care if you glow in the dark, your gift is not the Holy Spirit. Because God is about building up his church. And I'll tell you this, we should be using what he's given and trusted us to love people, encourage people, strengthen people, win people, set people free, grow people, pour out our lives for people, because Jesus shed his blood for this very reason that we could be anointed and equipped. It's not about titles. It's about function. It's about using what we've been given to love people. And I'm just telling you, God's really serious about it. 
Here's what the end result's going to be. Look at verse 13. This will continue. What will continue? Jesus giving out gifts is going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we're going to be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, has that been fulfilled? Let me help you. No. Are you fully mature? Does the church look radiant and gorgeous like the bride of Christ? Let me tell you, that has not happened yet. So do we need apostles for today? Yes. Prophets? Yes. Evangelists? Yes. Pastors and shepherds? Yes. Teachers? Yes. Do we need them? Yes. Because this has not happened yet. We're not fulfilled yet. Look what else is going to happen. This is important. Verse 14. You're no longer going to be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, here's what we're going to look like. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to grow up in every way to be more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body, check this out, fit together perfectly as each of us, each part, does its own special work. That's talking about moving in our gifting everybody doing our own special work. And I want you to see this. We're going to be helping all the parts grow so that the whole body, and we're going to get three things here. Boy, I want you to get this. This is the gold standard for Living Stones Church and for every church that is a church of Jesus Christ. Three things. I want you to see it. So that the whole body is, help me, healthy, growing, full of love. Say it again. Healthy, growing, full of love. Say it again. Some of you aren't convinced. Healthy, growing, full of love. How do you know if you're at a great church? (laughs) How many want to be a part of a church like that? See, listen, it takes all of us to get there. All of us doing our part. Did you see all that? Helping the other parts grow, not doing this. You know, picture the person next to you like a planting of the Lord. Water them. Talk nice to them. Don't step on them. Squash them. Hurt them. Care for their soul. You get the point. Healthy, growing, full of love. Now, again, this, we haven't re- arrived yet. So what I'm trying to tell you is all five of these gifts are absolutely essential if the church is going to be the church that Jesus died for, all right? We're going to talk about these gifts in more detail in weeks to come. Let, let me help you understand. I want to give you some, some quick ways, all right? Some, some single uh, words to describe each of these fivefold gifts, all right? Let's talk first of all about the apostle. And I'm dealing with function here. What is the function of an apostle? Right there, first G, if you're taking notes. Apostles govern. What does that mean? Apostles are leaders. Apostles are visionaries. Apostles are master builders. They're looking at the church from the big perspective, all right? They're like architects. They're looking at where the church is going and how we're going to get there. Apostles are in charge with governing, all right? Second one, prophets. What do prophets do? Prophets guide. Remember we said that the prophetic wired person is 
it, it wants to know what is the mind and the heart of God for us now. They help keep the church, church on track. They help keep us in holiness and purity before God. They keep us centered on the will and the heart of God. So prophetic people help guide the church. All right, let's go to the next one. What do evangelists do? Evangelists gather people. How does that work? Well, evangelists are natural people lovers. They go after people that don't know the Lord. They're out there in the fields. What are they doing? They're gathering the harvest. Some of you, if you heard Ryan share last Sunday, Ryan's an evangelist. That's his primary gifting. He loves being out there in the field with people that don't know the Lord. There are many of you that have that gifting, all right? Let's go to the next one. What do pastors do? Pastors are primarily those who guard the flock. They want to make sure everybody is happy and safe, right? They guard the flock. They care about the well-being of the sheep, just like Jesus who laid his life down for the flock. Look at the last one, teachers. What do teachers do? They ground people. What do I mean by that? It means teachers want people to be established in sound doctrine. They don't want people tossed to and fro, all these crazy ideas or the latest fads. What does the Bible say? How do I get grounded in the word of God so I have a strength in my life? Are you with me? So I want, I want to say them again. I want you to help me without looking in your notes. This, I'm being, this is the teacher part of me coming out here right now, all right? We're going back into class. All right, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All right, good job. You guys all got an A. All right. Now we're going to use the finger illustration. And I had to prepare for this because I did not want to be on national news, pastor giving the finger to his congregation. All right. But we're going to cover these fivefold gifts on each of our fingers. All right, are you with me? Prophets are the pointer finger. The give me your index finger, right? Prophets, well, what's your index finger do? It points the way. It points where there's problems. It points to the Lord. Prophetic people are always pointing us in the direction of the Lord. Are you with me? Now put your middle finger next to your pointer finger. All right. All right, good job. I don't want to be the recipients of your wrath this morning. All right. So, (laughs) your middle finger, if you'll notice, it's longer than the rest. That's the evangelist. Some of you are thinking, why are you picking on the evangelist? No, I'm not picking on you. The evangelists are the leaders in the harvest. They're they're the first ones out the door. They're leading the way. They're they're, they're reminding us, where do we exist anyway? It's to reach lost people. They're the goers. Are you with me? So we got prophets. We got evangelists. Let's go to our ring finger. What's the ring finger? It's It's the gift that's married to the church. The pastor. The pastor loves people, loves the sheep. So when you think of your ring finger, think of the pastor. Let's go to the little bitty finger, our little teeny tiny finger. What does the little finger do? The little finger reminds us of teachers because you know what teachers have a flair for? Details. Teachers love to look at the fine parts of the Word of God. Let's look at what this verb means in the Greek. Also, the teachers are concerned with details. How many of you know details are really important? Because the apostles could be going, let's take the hill. And the teacher goes, how many men do we have? 
How many do they have? How much money do we have? Those are good questions to ask because teacher types are detailed people. And I want you to see the last one, the apostles of the thumb, and here's why. Because the apostles are apostles and prophets, foundation of the church. The apostles interact with all the other gifts, all right? That's what your thumb does. In fact, let me ask you this. In Israel, when Israel was not obeying God and their enemies came in and, and uh, beat the tar out of them, did you all ever notice what would happen many times when the Israeli men became captives? What did the evil bad guy do to them? Why did he cut off their thumbs? Is he the kind of guy that just says, I delight in pulling wings off butterflies and doing all kinds of sadistic things? Is that, is that the nature? No, that's not it. It's a very strategic reason why you cut someone's thumb off if your primary means of warfare is holding something. Have you all tried to fight? <laughs> Have you tried to shoot a bow and arrow? <laughs> it hits you in the face, all right? If you don't have your thumb, you're not very effective. And next week, we're going to get into this because here's the problem. In the church today, we pretty much only talk about one gift, pastor, Pastor Dick, Pastor Rock. Let me just tell you something. Neither one of us are pastors. My dad was a pastor. We're not pastors. Some of you are going, oh. We'll explain more of that in the weeks that unfold here. But we only have. So here's the deal. Imagine we're fighting the enemy with our ring finger. Ha! You're not going to be very effective. Or we acknowledge these two. Pastor, teacher. This ain't helping much. And we got rid of the thumb because there's no apostolic ministry today. And we got rid of the prophet because those died out with the apostles. Like dinosaurs. And the evangelists we don't like anyway because nobody wants to go do evangelism, right? Because the people like that make us nervous because they get us out of our comfort zone. So we're fighting like this, you know? And we wonder why the church in America and around the world is so pathetic. Let me use another word, impotent. Because the whole outward thrust of what God intended the church to be, we don't even acknowledge anymore. We don't even think it's part of the church anymore. Let me give you one last thing, and we're going to close. Anybody getting anything out of this? Check out what happens, though. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. What happens now? Boom. You can't deliver a punch if you're running on one, two, three cylinders, but you can deliver a punch as a church when everybody's activated in their giftings. This makes sense. And I'm telling you, all y'all have one or more of those fivefold gifts that are meant to be active in your life and in the church, all right? Let me end with this. Um, let me give you another work or word as it relates to uh, what these offices do. Apostles help reveal the plan or the vision of God, all right? If you're apostolic, you're usually a big, uh, a big thinker. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see is that we're going to talk in the weeks to come about how this looks like in the marketplace because all of these gifts are not meant to function in the four walls of the church. Some of you that own businesses are apostolic. 
Some of you that have built something from the ground, you're apostolic. Some of you are big visionary type people. I'm telling you, you're apostolic. Um, we're going to get into what that looks like, all right, and how that functions, because it's not meant just for here, all right? So number two, the prophet brings the revelation of God's voice. This is what God is saying. The evangelist reveals God's mission, which is to save souls. They're always saying, hey, why are we here? What are we here for? We're here for the lost. We're here for the nations. The pastor reveals God's love for people. And the pastoral types, let me just say this. If you've got a big hospitality heart, if you've got a big servant heart, helps heart, you love people, you're an exhorter, you probably have a mega pastor anointing on your life, all right? That's who you are. And lastly here, the teacher reveals God's word. Teachers have a passion for truth. Man, if you're one of those people that gets uh, irritated because you see the slide in our culture and you're like, man, how come people just can't obey and know the word of God? How come there's not more passion for the word of God? Guess what? You might have a very strong teaching anointing in your life that needs to be developed because you care about those things, whereas other people... You know, one of, the, one of the things, too, I find people that actually have a heart for Christ's church, usually people that are burdened for Christ's church when they're not, like, on staff, but just they have a burden for the church. I look at those people, and I'm like, dude, you got a pastoral calling on your life. Because, listen to me, who out there in the world thinks about those things? Um, I'll tell you who does. People have a heart for Christ's church. This makes sense. So here's the cool thing, man. We're all going to come together. We're going to see who we are. In fact, I'm going to give you a good online test that you guys can take, and we're going to have you come in at the end of this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to, we're going to have some fun with this. Um, but I really want you to begin asking the question, Lord, which one of these gifts is my lead foot? Uh, which is the one that, that is, that, that, that's kind of my sweet spot? And then the other ones we grow in. I'll just say this. You know, I, would, I don't consider prophetic part of my one of my lead orientations but when i'm in a setting of prophetic people and we're praying for people that gifting gets stirred up in me you know why because i'm full of the holy spirit and so are you and guess what the holy spirit can bring forth all those gifts in us and can develop them so this is so cool it's like you're not only unique a unique masterpiece for who you are but you're also somebody who is supernaturally empowered by the holy spirit blessed by God the Father, anointed by Jesus Christ, sent. And guess what? We're like armed and dangerous masterpieces, but every one of us will express that uniquely, which is really fun. Does that make sense to everybody? The fun stuff starts happening when we actually believe it. And then, and then we start doing it. You with me? We believe it, we do it. I remember the first time, I'll close with this, I was a I was a sophomore at Lake Central High School back in the day. Any Lake Central Indians in the house? All right. Sophomore at Lake Central High School. I, I just had awakened in my heart, God, I need to be more of an evangelist. I need to witness more with my friends. I, I, I need to be sharing more. But I'm afraid, and I lack confidence. And I remember my mom and dad prayed over me that morning just for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to be bold. And as soon as we got done praying, I was waiting for a lightning bolt to hit me. I was waiting for an angel to show up, put a, put a sword on my head or something like that, or oil to magically appear running down my head or something like that. None of that happened. But this is what the Holy Spirit said. You ask me, now go do it. And check this out. And the gifting came when I exercised it. I didn't wait for it. I acted as if 
I was already equipped. And then when I moved out in faith, God showed up. See how that works? So faith is the activator. If you never move and you don't believe and you're like, who am I? Um, it's like, here you are. Like you're, you're, you're like one of the Avengers. So whatever your weapon is, maybe you're like Thor with your hammer. I don't know. Anyway, that's probably, God, I know those are false gods and I don't mean that. All right, but anyway. Um, but here you're equipped and you're ready and the enemy's trembling. And you're like, Lord, just please. And he's like, if you could only see who you are and who lives in you and the weaponry that you've been given, the gifts that you've been downloaded into your life. It's amazing. So stand to your feet. we got marriage class at 4 o'clock today. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, come on down. We have some really wonderful people that want to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, we love you. We don't want you to leave here with a burden on your heart, all right? So come on down. But how about lifting your hands with me and let's just thank the Lord that he's equipped us with all kinds of amazing things. We're, get, we're learning about what that is. Well, let's just thank him. Lord, what an amazing God you are, and what Jesus, what a great giver you are. So we just thank you for apostolic anointing, prophetic wiring, Lord, teaching giftings, shepherding hearts, Lord God, for all the evangelistic passion for the world. Lord, we just we want to eat it all up, Father. We want it all. We want to grow. We want to be like Jesus and see these things develop in our lives. So, Father, help us. And, Lord, when I say amen, we start walking out of this building and we go off to our mission field. And I just pray you use us today. Let people see the difference that you make in the lives of your people. And, Father, we thank you for fruitfulness this week. We thank you for supernatural encounters, God. We thank you for what you're going to do through our lives. We give you the praise and the glory for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Hey, have a great week. We love you guys.